Father God, we are thankful to be alive today. We look forward to uh, these next few days. It's a lot of information, Lord, and uh, we just ask that you can impress each one of us where we are right now as far as what, what the decision is and where you're leading us, what direction you'd like to invite us to go to follow you. And that may be a little different direction for each one of us here. I just ask in a special way you'd be with us this morning. During this first presentation and preparing to make the jump, I hope it's encouraging, Lord, and most importantly, it uh, lifts you up in the way that uh, you deserve and the honor that you deserve as well, Lord, is our prayer. Amen. Okay, first of all, there's six classes that will be taking place in this room, right, throughout the whole day. If you like what you see and what's going on here, my son and I, Alan will be in here in just a moment, we're doing two of the classes. We do this one, I think, in class five. Uh, but you're not obligated to stay in any class, so if you don't like what you're hearing, we won't take it personal. If you want to go somewhere else, you're welcome to head out. But you can skip around, so don't feel like you're locked into one particular track if you'd like to, if you'd like to move around. This one is preparing to make the jump. First of all, we just want to welcome you I'm glad you're even thinking about making the jump, okay? I can tell you, um, it, can be, it can be kind of spooky, okay? Because most of us, well, we're gonna share a little bit about our journey, okay? Some of these things may be relative to you, some of them might not be, but at least you kind of get an idea of some of the things we thought through and we continue to think through as we're going through this process because this is really a journey. There's really no end point. And I don't know how that makes people feel, but you know, a lot of us like very concrete, right? I wanna go here, I wanna do this, I want it to work out like this. You know, certainly with, with what we're asking and hoping the Lord is leading us, but, but there's, a, there's a really unique process here. And today we're gonna to be talking about this, four signs to heed before you make the jump. Now. Alan is going to be in here. He's helping uh, get some people um, situated out there, and he'll be in here in just a few minutes. But one of the things we were going to demonstrate is um, when you're thinking about preparing to make the jump, you know, maybe a better title for this talk would have been preparing to make a series of small hops. Okay? Instead of like one big jump, like I'm living in the city today, and tomorrow I'm living in the country, okay? If you try to make that type of jump, it's probably gonna be, well, you'll probably end up back in the city, okay? So think of it like this. Think of it like you take a hop, you take a hop, and you might actually take a hop backwards. And then hopefully you take another hop, a hop, a hop, right? And then maybe another one backwards until you're out here. Because here's the thing, guys, right? We're not educated to live in the country. Most of us have been educated to not live in the country. We don't have the skills to live in the country. We don't know what it takes to live in the country. We have not a clue of the first thing to do about growing anything. Now, I'm talking about myself. You guys may be in a little different, little different area in your life, but uh, we'll, we'll just, we'll just kind of walk you through our, our little journey. Let me introduce this. This is actually um, <clears throat> our family. As you can see there, my wife is on the far right. Her name is Vivian, then the myself. Vivian's folks actually don't live with us. They live about 10 miles from us. 
we all live in the country. And then uh, our daughter, Aubrey, and then our son, Alan. And uh, our, our experience was this. Um, I used to work for a hospital organization. We lived in an urban setting. And then about uh, 22 years ago, the Lord was um, convicting my wife and I. Our kids were very small at the time. They were like one and two, one and three years old. And uh, I don't know. We just kind of, I can't tell you we had this moment in time where we just all of a sudden just like, we need to move to the country. It, it really wasn't quite that crystal clear. But the Lord was wooing us. And uh, we ended up making a transition. We used to live in Texas in an urban setting, kind of like, you know, a, a typical housing, you know, area where the houses are all close together and, you know, those, those types of things. And we made it, uh, had an opportunity to take another job that took us to a rural location in Oklahoma. I never had any interest growing up as a Texan of ever living in Oklahoma. Okay, I mean, there's a, <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Uh, but the thought is, is that we made this transition. Uh, the kids were small, but here's the thing. We lived in the country for 13 years before really we ever really put anything in the soil to actually consider growing anything. 13 years. We weren't convicted about it. I mean, I did kill a few tomato plants in a raised bed garden for a couple of years in a row, but that was about it, okay? Still yeah, we're, we're still good at killing tomatoes. <laughs> this is my son, Alan, by the way. He just slipped in. But this wasn't even on our radar. So the reality was we physically had a home in the country, but we still lived very much like somebody in the city. So it wasn't until Alan was 14 years old that we were down visiting my my mom's house, his grandmother's house, and she had uh, in her garage a book, a Black and Decker backyard gardening book. And he just, well, Alan, I'll take it. You, why don't you take it from there? So basically, I was just in the garage, and my grandma put stuff in the garage for us to find. Like, my parents didn't like us just giving us stuff, and so she'd put things in the garage, right? She'd say, if you find anything in there, you can take it home, you know, type of thing. So I was doing my my visit search in the garage and I came upon the book and opened it and it just started introducing some principles like putting things back in the soil. I mean, it seems so mundane now, but it's like then it's like, oh, the soil just doesn't have everything in it. You know, that's amazing. <laughs> so, you know, the simplicity of things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how, I, how I got interested. So, so he got started and kind of just kind of eventually it ran down the path where we started kind of paying attention to some of the counsel that we had been given as a, as a church that we were totally oblivious to. I mean, I was raised in the Adventist faith. I went through Adventist schools my entire life. Nobody ever said anything about this. It just wasn't even on the radar. So I, I don't know, how could I think about it if, you, if I couldn't even think about it? I, I hope that makes some kind of sense. Okay, Alan, let's move on. That's a little bit about us. We're going to show you in here in just in a few minutes kind of a little bit about our journey in our garden so you can kind of get a sense of what, what that looked like. So just to get an idea, we're from Oklahoma, of course, but um, who do we have represented here? What states do we have represented here? Is anyone from, from Florida? 
That's good to know, <laughs> since we're in Florida. Okay, so what about from the, the southeast? Okay, northeast? Okay, central U.S., us? Okay, where are you from, sir? Texas, okay. Okay, good. And then what about out west? Anyone from out west? Wow. Okay, great. Yeah, she's from Toronto. Oh. You go off the map. You go off the map. <laughs> no, province, province. Okay. Okay. So we're going to talk about a journey today. All right, and think about the journey that we all had here just to get here, right? Maybe we were paying attention to the signs along the way. Maybe we weren't paying attention to the signs. But the thought is, is that there was a lot of signs out there that were helping us get to here, yes? Right now, the GPS has kind of changed a lot of that because now you're just listening to somebody talk to you. But, you know, back in the day, you had to watch the signs, and you had to watch them closely if you ever wanted to really get to where you were wanting to go. So today we're going to kind of do this kind of in a sign aspect. And here's the thing. Even though we're all from different places, right, we all had a little different journey to get here. Yes? So be it as it's going to be the same way as we, when we move to the country. We're all going to have a little different journey. We're going to share with you a little bit about our journey, okay? But our journey might not be your journey. Your journey may look different. Hopefully it gets you kind of to the same end point to a certain degree, but it's going to be a different journey. So we're just saying that because we don't want you to feel like we're going to look at some fundamental principles that we want to heed as we make this journey, but it may be different than what, than what we did. Okay, so one thing I want to just share with you on our first sign is that change is ahead, all right? And here's the thing. When you move to the country, there's going to be some change that's going to be exciting. It's going to be invigorating. You're going to be like, yes, boy, did we make the right decision. Then there'll be other days where it will be discouraging, it'll be disappointing, and you'll be going like, I'm not sure if we made the right decision, right? So what we want to help you do is try to stay on the positive side of it and have as little of the negative side, but there's going to be some of the negative side that comes with it, and we're going to talk a little bit about why that happens. So speaking of change, we want to show a graph here. A lot of change has happened in the U.S. since the turn of the century. Um, so at the turn of the century, 60% of the U.S. population was in the country or rural areas. Now it's 81% are in the cities and 19% are in country areas. And this change really, um, you know, we want to take into consideration, this is over a 100-year span here, 110-year span. This change did not happen overnight, and so to revert back to where we've come from, to a certain extent, of course, things are not going to be the same because of just our environment is different, technology and these types of things. But if we're wanting to go back there, it took 110 years to get to this point. We need to be patient with ourselves as far as how fast we go back because this took years to take place. So we're not just talking about location shift, we're even talking about mental shift here. So we want to encourage you to be gentle with yourself when you are taking this transition because this did not happen overnight and it's not gonna happen overnight to go back either. <clears throat> yeah, just hey, one thing before you take, make the slide. I don't know for sure, okay? This is an old family picture. So I don't know if that particular woman is my great grandmother 
but there was a, there's, there's another picture. Yeah, that woman's related to me somehow, okay? Okay, because here's the thing. Both of my great-grandfathers were full-time farmers. But guess what? None of that knowledge got to me. None of it got to me, okay? So guess what? I can't pass any of that knowledge to him. I don't have it. How can you give something to somebody you don't have? So here's the thing. When we're thinking about being here at the Adventist Agricultural Association, the idea is that we're trying to, we're trying to go, granted, there's a lot of technology, a lot of things have changed, but some of the fundamentals are the fundamentals, right? From when my grandfather, my great-grandfather grew to today. But how do I pass it down if I don't have it to pass down? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Okay. So just to, to give you a little shift of, uh, sorry, give you a little, uh, show you a little bit about our particular journey. This was my garden, our garden, in 2009. So um, just to, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to do everything at once. So we're just going to go from 2009 to the current situation. So 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. I wanted to just, this was our first year that we actually, this Had was, remember, this is four years in, and we finally are getting, we're not even done with it, but this is like a little hoop house. Did any of you see the one that when we walked in a bell down here? So it's four years. Before we even, before we, well, 13 years before we even started anything. We <laughs> use these little things here, here called these low, oh, sorry, these little things called low tunnels, okay? This is a really very economical way to get started where you get protection for your plants. We're not going to go into growing stuff, but... All I'm saying is that you don't Scaling. need to go get all the whiz-bang things just to get the, start with the fundamentals. They're nice, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, hey, so that, oh, go back, Alan. So that picture, we took that picture right there from this right here. Alan, show the next one. Yeah, that, right. So that picture was taken from that rock pile. Okay, every single one of those rocks came from that area that you saw us growing in. When we bought this land, remember, when we bought this land, he was like three years old. Remember, we didn't grow anything for basically 12, 12 years or so, right? We never knew, we never even thought about growing anything. And if we did, we were going to put one of those little raised bed gardens, okay? So that was just kind of the mentality. The, the land's terrible. We live on terrible land, okay? We pulled every one of these rocks out by hand okay it was crazy now we're going to have a class this uh, our fifth class in this session and it's, and that pile is actually a square it's not just a yeah. yeah it's as deep as it is wide as it is okay so and then the reason why alan's head's cut off in that picture because we couldn't fit him in because the rock pile was so tall okay <laughs> okay okay um 2013 Bought some uh, bigger sized hoop houses and put in a cooler because we were going to start marketing. Now, we're not by any means saying that you guys have to do this for a living, okay? But we're just showing you the progress of, of how this has worked. 2014, hoop house with seedlings in it. That's, uh, that's our greenhouse. Uh, expanding onto hoop houses, 2015. 2016. 2016 is we literally. 2016, now remember, seven years after we grew, grew on a rock pile, seven years, we actually, last year, we bought 20 acres, okay? That other acre, acreage we had was two acres, 
We grew on a quarter of an acre, okay? We cleared out a quarter of an acre, a quarter of an acre, okay? We're going to talk a little more about that this afternoon. So if you want to see more about those, you know. But last year in October, we bought this. Did you yeah. go over the classes that are going to be after? I okay. Cover all of them. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll cover that. We'll all right. And then in 2017, this year. This is our objective is to start um, probably the equivalent amount of, of land that we had under production at our old place, at least match that, and also um, prepare uh, another um, acre and a quarter worth of production area. And there's not one rock on this entire 20 acres. Okay, <laughs> praise the Lord. So. <laughs> not that we're aware of. I mean, we're going to talk about that a little bit this afternoon. Okay. But perspective, you know, we see a lot of people say, oh, we need to do this country living thing. And they just go out and they just go feet first over the cliff, not even <laughs> in the water, just woo! And it's just like they don't know, they don't know anything about soil. They don't know anything about you know, location, they just, they, I didn't know. I'm not saying that you guys, you just don't know. that You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And that's the problem, is that when we want to do country living, we read the council, it's amazing. But there's such a steep learning curve, especially where we are right now, like at the turn of the century, 60% of the population had this relative knowledge base. Now, less than 20%, and in the United States, actually less than 1% of the population is involved in agriculture which means that there's more people incarcerated in the United States than are actually farming the land. Yeah, that's okay. So here we go. We're going to start trying to get in. So first of all, expect some bumps. This sign here is a warning. Heed the warning. You're going to have some bumps. Now, the reason why this conference exists, and hopefully a little bit about what we're going to talk about in this particular course today, is we want to make those bumps. small bumps. Small bumps. We're not going to take the bumps out you're gonna have bumps, okay? But if we can make them smaller and more manageable, wouldn't that be a blessing, huh? Wouldn't that be a blessing, okay. And of course, what we ultimately for sure wanna prevent is this. We wanna prevent you from taking a U-turn. So you're heading to the country, and unfortunately, a lot of people take a U-turn and then right back up to the city because they're ill-prepared. They're ill-prepared and they don't have a clue. And I can tell you, this is a journey. You know, we just showed you our little garden. That, that, was, that was a process. That was uh, eight years you just saw. Eight years, right? So, I mean, if you're thinking you're going to, hey, let me just tell you. We, I have an individual we met. They were at the conference last year when it was held in Texas. We talked a little bit, and um, he hadn't grown anything. He doesn't know how to grow anything, Okay. And all of a sudden now he wants to grow pretty much everything they're going to eat. And he's asking what kind of tractor he should buy. And he's asking how much land he should purchase. And I'm just sitting what here going like, yeah. you know, I mean, you don't want to discourage somebody, but you don't want them to just implode. And so I was, we tried to, he came by and actually visited our little farm. And it's very, our little place where it was very small. And we're just trying to help him understand you don't need a tractor. You don't need a lot of land. In fact, if you have a backyard right now, a backyard would be a really good place to start. Get the fundamentals. Get the little basic fundamentals. I mean, Alan's, our seed starting spot in our farm was in Alan's room. 
for like three years. And Aubrey's okay. room. She didn't like it. I would like, I didn't have any grow lights. So the, the sun, the way it shifted over our house, I'd have to move him to Aubrey's room in the morning and I'd move him to the parents' room in the evening. And like the dirt trail, you see, through the house, <laughs> that no one really liked that. So we, we, the next year we made a change. <laughs> it, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. Okay, so let's go to the next one. So your son. Yeah, so this is kind of going to be what your journey looks like probably. All right? I mean, it may, like we said, it's all going to be different for all of us, but it's not going to be like an elevator ride straight to the top. You're not going to get on floor one, push a button to floor eight, and you'll just walk out on floor eight. It's not going to happen like that. You're going to go to maybe floor two, and then you're going to go back to floor one, and then maybe up, like we were talking about the hops earlier, if you were here with the hops, okay? So the question is, where are you now? So let's just get a feel. How many of us in here live in a spot where we cannot see our neighbor? <laughs> All right. I'm just, you know, <clears throat> I'm not saying this, that's the official definition of living in the country, but pretty much, you know, it's, you know if, you, if you see the neighbor, the neighbor is quite a ways away. You're not going to throw like a rock and hit their house, right? Okay. Okay, so does that mean most of us in here Some are... Some people might have a pretty good arm in here, yeah. you know, you never know. <laughs> Do most of us have, uh, are most of us in an urban setting or a city setting? Yeah, true? Okay, then this is perfect. You're going to love, the, I think you're going to love this class. Okay, Alan? So we're going to look uh, at, some, at some Ministry of Healing, sorry, not Ministry, yeah, Ministry of Healing quotes. Um, ministry of Healing, page 363 to 370. Um, great chapter. Any of the things we're sharing here today are in this chapter, okay? Um, but I would just encourage you, go online, look it up. This is a really great We're going to share a couple of, share a couple of quotes here. Okay, so the the key is is that why leave the city? This is mine. Okay. okay, so one of the questions I, I find it fascinating. I was reading um, this kind of it was it wasn't a, a it was kind of a, a written in dialogue, but basically someone had asked um, Mrs. White, um, you know, is the Lord coming in five years? Okay, and she said, um, what does it matter to you if He's coming in five years or in fifty years? And he says, well, I think I would live differently. And she said, you know, basically to the effect, this poor soul thought that he had to live differently whether the Lord was coming sooner or later. Why should it change? Okay? And so the question to you is that if the Lord wasn't coming in 100 years, if we knew, which we don't, but if we knew that the Lord wasn't coming in 100 years, would you still be wanting to move to the country? Okay? This is about motivation here. Because fear is a good motivator in the short term but it has no lasting power. So the question is, is that in 10 years, let's say you move to the country next year, in 10 years, the Lord still hasn't come. Are you going to say, should I move back to the city? Or are you moving to the country for the basic principle of it's better for my health, it's better for my family, it is something better, right? I mean, it is something better. God put us in the garden originally. There is a blessing for those that follow this, this plan. And so we want to encourage you that... It's just like the servant, you know, uh, the, the parable in the Bible where Christ says, the guy, you know, the guy goes off to the, the owner goes off to the far country. And then the servant says, my Lord delayeth his coming and starts smiting the other servants and stuff. Look, we want to be the faithful servant. The way we live that I want to live today on my farm is the way that I want to live when Christ comes and says, what, give me, give account of your goods. I can say, I didn't do anything differently. I have lived a life of Enoch 
faithful all the way through, I don't need to change anything because I'm following what God's told me to do. So it's not a situation of preparing right for the end. It's a lifestyle, praise the Lord, that God wants us to live without fear. So you, can you get the sense that Alan's a little passionate about that? <laughs> yeah. He's so passionate that that was actually supposed to be shared in, our, in the little talk here in about 10 minutes. But he just couldn't. Anyway, oh, that's okay. That's all right. That's right. But that was very good. Maybe well, you could do it again. It <laughs> <laughs> anyway, share some quotes here. Okay. So, <laughs> some great quotes. Life in the city is false and artificial. Upon the youth, they have a most irresistible power. The whirl of excitement and pleasure attracts them away from the sober duties of life. Go where, apart from the distractions and dissipation of city life, you can give your children your companionship. Amen where you can teach them to learn of God, praise the Lord. That's not in the text, by the way, uh, for those listening on Audioverse. Through his works and train them to, li- to lives of integrity and usefulness. And this is my favorite personally. In God's plan for Israel, every family had a home on the land with sufficient ground for tilling. Thus were provided both the means and the incentive for a useful, industrious, and self-supporting life. And no devising of men has ever improved upon that plan. To the world's departure from it is owing to a large degree the poverty and wretchedness that exists today. That's personally my favorite. And, and just, well, we'll keep going here. <laughs> more and more as time advances, our people will have to leave the cities. For years we have been instructed that families with children should plan to leave the cities as the way opens before them to do so. Many will have to labor earnestly to help open the way. Now, just look at this. My analogy is not so far off, actually. If the Lord wasn't coming in 100 years, would you still want to live this lifestyle? Look, 1906, we're over 100 years away from that date right now. So, in principle, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle, not... Uh, the world's coming to an end, you know, chicken little, the sky's falling type of situation. Yeah, and I just want to just point out, you see those two last words that are highlighted on the very bottom line? Labor earnestly. Labor earnestly. Yeah. It's going to, it's gonna, you know, I mean, we're going to talk a little more about that. But, I mean, that's kind of a key. Go ahead to, for, for, for the next slide, Alfred. This is a good one. Yeah, very good. Let everyone take time to consider how? Carefully. And not be like the man in the parable who began to build and was not able to finish. Not a move should be made, but that movement and all that it portends are carefully considered. Everything weighed. Now, you know, this could get you to a point where you could have analysis paralysis. Right? All right? I don't think that's what she's talking about here. But, you know, don't, don't take this to an extreme. Right? The idea is you want to heed, you want to heed the fundamentals that need to, you, you need to be paying attention to and, and, and allow the rest to just, the Lord's going to leave. And quite honestly, it's going to help develop your character. And, it's going, and that character development is going to be a real big asset to you when you are actually in the country on a much more long-term basis. Fair enough? Okay, so we'll talk a little more about that. And th- here's a great illustration about kind of what we're hopefully trying to communicate here in Mark 4:28. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain of the head. So even within agriculture, it gives us a beautiful picture of the growing process, right? 
these are all, think of it, this is like a hop. The first blade is a hop. Then the head is another hop. Then the foreground, it's a hop. We're, we're taking it, you know, you don't put a seed in the ground and tomorrow you're harvesting corn. It takes time. And it takes time to develop and to grow. And it's the same type of thing, especially for us, who most of us are city people. We're urbaner, we're urbanites. And we have been educated out of this whole thing. So, well, you know, I keep saying we're going to talk more about it. We're going to get into it. Here we go. So, we're four signs to heed. These are the four things that we're going to be drilling down on for the rest of our time. All right? We're going to be talking about the sign of motivation ahead. That's where Alan's going to get to talk again about what he said earlier that he really said <laughs> about. There's, there's experience ahead. There's money ahead. And then there's patience ahead. Fair enough? All right. So, we're going to start off with... Uh, oh, by the way, back up, Alan, if you don't mind. I want the, the, the idea about this word heed, when you, you know, it's not a word we use oftentimes, heed, H-E-E-D, heed, but, you know, it's really, what is it? It's really to pay attention and to take notice, right? Pay attention and to take notice. So hopefully these next few ideas we're going to be sharing with you, these are things you're going to pay attention and take notice. Okay, let's, let's move on. So, okay. Motivation. And of course, we talked about it, this already. What is motivating you? Is it fear? Is it something better? We would like to propose to you that God has something better for us. Amen. That God is not a God of fear, but of peace and of a sound mind. Amen? So we're not here. We're not saying, ah, you know, it's, this, is, this is right because the Lord has said it. And I'm going to take the steps towards it. And we're going to definitely be going, uh, uh, we're going to be talking more about that, of course. How's the family? So we've seen this a lot. And I, I want Dad to talk to this, actually, the guy. Yeah, yeah so last, last year at this same conference, there was another guy, not the guy I told you about earlier, but another guy came up to me. I saw him. It's at the very end of the conference, actually. And, uh, you know, it's kind of neat. So... You know, what's your name? What are y'all doing? Are you in agriculture yet? That type of thing. And um, he says, boy, I'm really looking forward to getting engaged in this. And I really want to do this. And I go, I go, are you married? And he goes, yeah, I'm married. And his face kind of dropped. And I go, so how's your wife with this idea that you have? And he hardly could say anything. And he literally got a tear in his eyes and he said she, she doesn't want anything to do with this I don't know I, I, we're not experts in this okay we're on the journey just like everybody else but you know you've got to be you got to understand the temperature and the pulse of where your family's at you know if you're single okay it's a different story you know but where's the family? And especially, in my mind, is where's the wife? Because Alan and I have this saying. It's not our saying. We're just copying it from somebody. It goes like this. If mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Okay? <laughs> All right? So, and it's not, to, it's not, I mean, listen. And sometimes it's not the mother. Sometimes it's the father. That's right. That's it, right. It, it, that's right. Yeah. It, or the it, kids. The yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. It could be the kids. It could be the kids. <laughs> this has been a journey for us. Okay? Remember, I mean, it took... You know, we've been 21 years in the country now, okay? So I'm just saying the Lord will work with you, and the Lord can change people's hearts. But just be, be careful at what pace you take this if everybody's not on board, okay? All right. 
And a lot of it will go into, I mean, look, there's a lot of legitimate fears. Where, how am I going to make a living? Well, we're going to talk about that in money. So there's, I mean, there, just to go poof and not really have a plan and everyone's on the same page, that's a problem. Mindset and expectations. So um, this is going back to the idea of 100 years. What's your expectation? What's your mindset about this? Is it fear? Is it not? Okay. Patient, graceful, be patient, be graceful with yourself and others, and be prepared to wait. You know, I, I find it interesting that Abraham, well, Noah, look, 120 years. Abraham, 30 years before he receives Isaac. Joseph, waiting in Egypt before God raises him and he sees his family again. It's all through the Bible, patience and waiting. So to expect that it's going to be somewhat different would be uh, discounting history. We're, we, we are in an Amazon Prime society now where we expect to get something within at least two days, okay? Perhaps even tomorrow. Now, when I was some of your age in here, I mean, you would order something out of a catalog or call in. They always had this thing, allow six to eight weeks for delivery, okay? <laughs> you know, nobody would be, a, you couldn't stay in business if it took you <laughs> six to eight weeks to deliver something now, right? But that's, that was the way it was. And so, you know, we live in a, well, we're going to talk about that. Okay, experience ahead. This is really, this is another one to heed here, okay? How's your experience? How's your experience? Now, this is an agriculture conference. We're, we're actually in a journey. I still work off the farm full time, okay? That's my role to help financially to help develop the farm. The goal is to have a farm full time. All right, somewhere down the road. We don't, we don't have a timeline on that or anything of that nature. But the goal is we are developing experience. Alan works on the farm full time. That's what he does. Okay, this is what, this is, so the, the idea is that we're building a lot of experience and a lot of this experience has taken years to develop, right? And we're not saying that you have to be farmers, okay? Because you could move to the country, do what dad's doing and still have a lot of, a lot of this as well. This is just like we said, our journey, everyone's journey is going to be a bit different. We'll talk about, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Start where you are. You know, if the, the next class that's coming up after this one here yeah. is, is urban, uh, urban, what? Gardening. urban gardening. So if you live in a, a house with a small yard, if you live on the fifth floor with a little patio, this guy, Lynn Hoack, who's coming in next, he would be a great person to stay and listen to because... That's where you want to get the fundamentals down. You want to know how to start a seed. You want to know how to transplant. You, you, you want to know those type of things, right? In a small scale way. On yeah. a very small scale way. Because once you understand that, you're going to be, feel a lot more comfortable in making the transition. Alan, you want to take this one? Read, ask, practice, ask. It's great. Basically what you're doing right here at a conference. There's a lot of people there's a lot of books. There's a lot of literature. I can't... I, I, there is such a wealth of knowledge in other people. And the more you can take advantage of that, the better it's going to be for you. And it, it's just so true. Get as much as you can. And, I mean, you know, starting where you are, I would start... I, would, I might even start here. And then start there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Get your information. Yeah. Keep reading. But, of course, unlike this... You just keep on doing this. This never stops. This is just a process of scaling up. 
go work with someone doing it already. Um, just to give you an idea, I went to the Dysinger farm for a weekend, then I went for a week, then I went for six months, and now it's just visits. <laughs> um, over like a four-year period, okay? Okay, so, yeah. A lot of this kind of stuff, uh, you know, it, it can be this weekend thing, then you get more comfortable. I think you're going for six months? Yeah, so Jake's going for six months to a year next year, and how long have you been gardening, Jake? Well, I'm thinking about doing this for four or five years, so same experience. It just takes time. It just takes time. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, start small and humble. This is very easy to look at all these neat gadgets here at the conference and to think it's like, oh, I need a track, you know, horsepower, you know, type of thing, um, all this kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> Nothing, you can't say too much about humility. Um, it will save you a lot. For those of you who were here at the time when we first started showing you some of the farm, what we did, we had like three raised beds that were 20 feet long, about 30, inch, 30 inches wide. That, that very first, first picture. We had like little, you know, you can start in a couple buckets. You, you could do, just, just start with something small because here's the thing. If you are frustrated on something small, you're going to be 10 times more frustrated on something big. Grr. It doesn't even have to be big. It could just be bigger. Start small. That would be great. But the idea of, yeah, and it, here's the thing. You're going to start small. That would be good. And you're going to be humble. <laughs> you either are <laughs> humble when you start or you will be humble through the process. <laughs> it's, it's just, okay, what do we got next? Very good. You want to talk to that one? So develop practical skills. Boy. If you ever have, night schools are great. I went uh, for welding class for uh, six months. Uh, well, no, more than that. I guess I went through four, four of those um, at our local technical school. Take advantage of these types of things, carpentry, whatever skills that you can get. And some of you guys might, or ladies, might already come coming to the table with these skills. If you do, Lord bless you. You don't have to go back and do it. That's a blessing because it's going to save you a lot of time, effort, and money if you have these skills. So even if, let's say, you're starting small, think about taking, doing some technical classes or talking to people and say, hey, are you, you know, someone that you know that's canning and go spend a weekend with them, you know, helping them do their canning thing or whatever. You know, there are just so many skills that have been lost over time because of prepackaged food and all these types of things. Right. So our mentality now, right, I mean, think about a city person. I mean, th this is where I was and to a great degree, to a great deal I still am when something needs to be done I call somebody to do it I pay somebody else to do it I take it somewhere else because guess what I don't have a clue I don't have a clue what I'm doing now praise the Lord some of those things are transitioning but I mean it takes time and experience and skill to be able to do those types of things YouTube videos also a great situation. Boy, I was watching, I just, I just want to say this, I was watching these guys, they're, they're framers, right? They frame up houses and stuff like that. He's like, okay, take two 16-penny nails, and you just, and you just with one blow, just right into the wood, you know, bang, bang, bang. He's like, look, it's easy, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but great, great, great stuff on, uh, on YouTube, too. That is a great resource. There's no doubt about it. All right, so here's our next sign. Money ahead. Money ahead. Money ahead. 
Money ahead. <laughs> That's probably all I need to really say on that one. But no, question mark. The yeah, question mark. right, Money? right, right. So here's a thought. A lot depends on how committed you are, okay? Look, there are people that we know who live in a tent. Doesn't probably take a whole lot of money to live in a tent. And they have one or two kids now. Okay, now, living in the tent really wasn't an option for our family. Okay, all right. <laughs> My wife happened to just walk in the room. So, uh, but a whole lot depends on how committed you are. Because if, you, if, you're going, if you're willing to really rep it, it doesn't take a whole lot. But if you have to, I don't say have to, that's not the right word, but you, you understand where I'm coming from here? A lot depends on what you're committed to doing and how simple you're wanting to make this work. You know. There were a few pioneers that went to Oregon. There were a lot more that came after roads were built. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. wagon train and all that kind of stuff. So, but here's a couple things about money. This is one we, we talked just briefly about. Remember, you don't, we're, not, we're not saying you need to move to the country and become a full-time farmer, but you need to figure out where is the income going to come from. Okay, where is the income going to come from? Are you going to be able to work? Are you going to commute back to the city? That's kind of what I do right now. I, I commute 30 minutes to where I work. I only have to go into the office three days a week. I get to homework two days a week, and then a half, of, half, half of two days I actually help work on the farm and then you know that kind of stuff. But just you, you need to have that in place. You don't want to go out to the country and not have a plan at all and just think you're going to, Okay, we're going to start growing stuff, and we're going to start selling it, and we're going to start making money off of what we grow. You'll be back in the city pretty quick because it won't probably go like what you're thinking it will, especially if you don't have any experience. Okay. And a big one here is get out of debt. I mean, I know that's easy to say, very easy, but when you're out of debt, it gives you a lot of freedom, and you can do a lot of things a lot differently you're when, you're not, when you're not yeah, when you're not sitting there with like a 1500 you know, month house payment and a $400, $500 a month car payment and big credit card bills, right? It, you just don't even have an opportunity to get to the country and to live more of a simple country lifestyle if all that's weighing down on you. You just can't do it. So you'd have to, I don't know how you're going to get out of debt. You're going to save your way out of debt. You're going to sell all that stuff and try to get out of debt. But somehow, get out of debt. It makes all the difference in the world. It comes down to commitment. How bad do you want it? And I mean, there, there is the aspect of how bad you want it, but then there's the aspect of just, of course, hi, Mr. Hogg. Uh, <laughs> then, there's, then there's the idea of just, it's just going to take time too. So we, we don't want to say, if you want it real bad, you can do it in a year. That's not what we're saying. There's still going to be a process of learning, no matter how fast and how bad you want it. But like it said um, in that quote, it said, we will have to, have we gotten to that quote yet? Work to open the way? Have we gotten to that quote yet? Did we? Okay. okay. Basically, it's going to take effort. Yeah. Earnest labor. Yeah. Okay, and then be ready for expensive learnings. We, we have had some pretty expensive learnings um, that were just weren't really good decisions on our part. Fortunately, we've made, I say expensive, I'm not talking about crazy expensive that it just wipes you out expensive, but, you know, several three or four thousand dollars, that's to us, that's kind of expensive. Maybe to you guys, that's not very expensive. But, you know, things where you go, wow, I'm sure glad we didn't 
double that. Double doing <laughs> that idea because that would not have been good, right? So if you have an idea or a new idea, you're thinking about doing something, test it. Test it, test it, test it. Make your mistakes small. Try to make them small mistakes. There are a reason that Boeing does prototypes. It's a good lesson we can take from industry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what else we got? And this is if you're wanting to farm. And we're not saying that... This, we're not saying you, you have to go full-time farm or anything like that, but um, don't plan on l making any kind of living from your farming for at least a minimum of three, probably more likely five years. If you've never gone to an internship, if you've never spent time on a farm, you could probably tack on an extra three years or four years to that. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. so the thought is, is that, you know, how do you think in your mind, wow, okay, well, how do I all of a sudden go from getting a paycheck every two weeks or something to not getting a paycheck for four years? How's that going to work for you? So the idea is that that's why most people who are in farming, somebody has a second job at least initially, to be able to help balance the load. But here again, a lot depends on that commitment level and how, how simple you're, you're, you're willing to, to make it happen. All right, so that's, and then here's the next one, help the next generation. In essence, that's what I feel like my wife and I's role is right now. We're here to help the next generation. Remember how I mentioned earlier, my great, both of my great-grandfathers were farmers. Then by the time it got to me, it had, it had gone. Well, we're trying to help turn the course back the other direction. But, I mean, how, how, I mean, how do you help a young person in your family when, you know, so we're, we're trying to financially help make this happen, and we're trying to go slow, and trying to learn, and we're, you know, the farm's finally starting to make money itself, and so we're taking that money and putting it back into the farm. So, I mean, this is actually, believe it or not, this is our kids' college education. You know, because the thought was is that, okay, where are you going to go to school to learn this? What college are you going to go to? I mean, it's gonna, you're going to be hard-pressed. And the other thing is is that, you know, you know what's, if you, anybody here college educated? You know how much when you got out of school you really, you really didn't know what you were doing, right? <laughs> I mean, depending on what, what exactly the degree was. I had a business degree. You know, you really, there's a lot of experience that has to take place even when you're done with your schooling. For the most part. Okay. So help the next one. Okay. Our last sign here is patience ahead. So how's your patience? How's your patience? I don't know. You got you gotta figure that one out. I, I'm not sure. It's just a good question. Okay, this was specifically about when you're thinking about moving to the country. Look, ask. You should those sound familiar. We, we, we suggest that you rent, okay? We suggest that you rent. When we first moved to the country, okay, we rented for two years before we ended up buying the two acres that we currently have lived on now for uh, 17, 18 years, okay? But we rented for two years in the place where we, so, you know, we got a feel for the land. Of course, we, you know, our feel for the land wasn't about growing anything on the land because we saw all those rocks, but there were some other qualities about that location that we really valued. And if you, if you come, uh, come back to class five in this series, so after this is class two, three, then lunch, four, and five, okay? And they're an hour long. Oh, five and six, yeah. Um, we're going to talk about um, how to find land. And this, this would even go for rental. Try to find a land where you can rent that actually has land that you can grow on. So you can be practicing as you're looking for other land.
Good point. Um, so, you want to talk to that one? Yeah. Um, Moses thought he was ready to deliver the children of Israel, and God said, no, you've got to have 40 years of country education. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to take 40 years, okay? It's just like, man, that's, you know, if we only lived 120 years now, maybe that would be good, but um, take into consideration, the Lord is not hurried, let's put it that way, and he's willing for us to learn what we need to learn, and uh, we have learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot for us to learn. I would suggest that even in addition to that, there's a lot for us to unlearn. I almost wonder if it's harder for me to unlearn stuff than it is for me to learn stuff. I kind of feel like that, okay? All right, but just, yeah. And be careful how much you bite off. This is redundant. Yeah, just be careful how much you bite off. Take a small, well, that's a big point. I mean, that, that hopefully... That hopefully runs through everything. <laughs> Just be careful how much you bite off, okay? And then Murphy's Law, if something can happen, it's probably going to happen. And just, you need to, I don't know how you always prepare for stuff when you don't know for sure it's going to happen, but it, and, and this is an overstatement, but I mean, we put it up there just to help you maybe appreciate that, you know, you may think you buy that good used truck and you think it's going to all work out and then something happens and it's like a, it's a $3,000. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, it's easy to laugh about it on this side, so to speak, but sometimes it's not so funny, right? Um, but with all that being said, um, we want to just, oh, we, here's a couple of quotes from, are you okay if I take, okay. So here's a famous Oklahoman, okay? Since we live in Oklahoma, we thought we'd bring... I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Will Rogers. He was a very famous man back in the 30s and 40s. Um, here's, a, here's a quote that he shares. Chaotic action is preferable to orderly inaction. So if we discourage you that... Remember that analysis paralysis thing we talked about before? We're not saying you need to wait till you have it all figured out. That is not the, that's not what we're saying. But you want to make chaotic action... Make it small, make it measurable, but you don't want to do nothing because nothing gets you nowhere. All right? Okay, here we go. And then here's his last one. Good judgment comes from experience, and a lot of that comes from bad judgment. So we're going to make bad judgment, but that's going to help us make good judgment. Fair enough? Okay. So I wonder, <clears throat> when we're on this journey... I wonder where your life will be next year. I wonder what it will be in five years. I kind of wonder where it will be for you maybe in ten years. Should time well. Yeah. I mean, looking back 20 years ago, for us, I never dreamed in my wildest imagination we would be doing what we're doing, and the Lord would be just, our lives are so different than they were 20 years ago. I mean, it's almost like night and day. And I would like to say that even though we've had some bumps along the way, I mean, I think every single one of us would say we've been blessed, immeasurably blessed. So, I don't know, I wonder, wonder what's going to be. So, we have, we want to show you a couple other things, just fun things about living in the country, okay? These are fun things about living in the country. This was a blue jay that we raised from a baby, okay? And we want to show you a quick little video, okay?
So his name is Sanger. The kids raised him, fed him from a little baby. He used to fly around on our ceiling fans in our house. He would fly from one ceiling fan, go to another ceiling fan, and he'd turn them. They weren't running, by the way, when he, yeah. But he would come and land on people's head. We had a guy come to give us a quote on our, in, we had some uh, damage to our roof, and he came, and this bird comes down, and he lands right on top of his head. And the guy's like, what? <laughs> but that was, that's so cool. All right. Here are a couple little baby geese that came that we have no idea how they got to our neighbor's house. Our neighbors brought them over to this. But this is their first time in a big, bigger pool. And they're Georgie and Charlotte. We don't have them now. Uh, you know, we, we, when they're wild animals, we just raise them and try to get them back. But here they are swimming in the little pool that we bought for them. I mean, how much is that worth right there? What do you, what are you, how much does that cost? I mean, what, what would you pay for something like, okay, now here's some of our guinea birds. <clears throat> These guys are crazy. We have eight of them now. They're great for grasshopper control, but they'll sometimes just do this. And they'll just do this, and this video goes on much longer, okay? But we just thought for the sake of time. They run all the way around the house and come back. And then here's a, uh, that suds the toad. He hangs out on one of our wash house sinks. And if we had a video of him, it would look what pretty much... If, yeah, yeah. If we had a video, this is basically what the video would look like. <laughs> That's about what he does right there. Oh, Alan, go back. I want to show him that video a little longer. No, the suds. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. That's about what he does right there. That's the video. And this was a little stray little kitten that came out of the woods right next to our house and wouldn't let us touch him for like a couple days. Her, a couple days, we didn't know at the time. And then there she is now. We call her Monkey. She had this huge tail and uh, she's just a beautiful cat. But, you know, there's a lot of amazing things about living in the country. A lot of amazing things. And they're not false and they're not artificial. And they draw you closer to so many things. So we hope that we've given you some encouragement to want to move to the country. But the idea is just heed the signs. Heed the signs. Fair enough? Let's close with prayer, Alan. Would you mind? Dear Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this day that you've given us for this time that we're able to be here. Lord, we know that you have something better for us. But you also want us to be wise like the builder that makes the tower that he considers what it will take before he builds. Lease, he build, and people say, this man became to build, and he was not able to finish. Lord, we want to be sustainable in our country living. We want to prevent U-turns, and we ultimately know that you desire for us to live a more natural life with educating our children in, um, in a way that would be honoring and glorifying to you. To this end we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.